0: They're burning books in Tennessee and throwing Bibles on the bonfire. Are we entering into a dark age of superstition and fear? Find out next on The Walkertown Report. From fabulous Las Vegas, Nevada, you are listening to The Walkertown Report. They are having a book burning at Mount Juliet, Tennessee. A Tennessee pastor, a man by the name of Greg Locke, stated on his Instagram that they would be having a massive burning at the end of their Wednesday night message, and there would be continued series on deliverance from demons. This included burning Harry Potter books. And it was sometime during the burning of this when a gay man came out and threw a Bible on top of the bonfire as well. Now, the reason book burning is such an issue is because there was also an issue where a Tennessee school board uh, denied the graphic the novel Moss uh, to stay on its library shelves. And this is a recollection of the Holocaust, which has been a classic book, won Pulitzer Prizes. They banned it because of nudity, and the only nudity in there was a brief moment of a naked mouse. And... If we're going to be so sensitive to burn books over the most offensive things, or so-called offensive things, in the case of the book Burning in Tennessee, it was over Harry Potter, where does the Bible fend all this? Many years ago, back in the 90s, I got to interview the author of this book, The X-Rated Bible, as well as the publisher uh, of the book. That would be Adam Parfrey of Fairhouse. In light of the man throwing the Bible on the bonfire, I decided if we were to look at the Bible in the same way that they're looking at moss, should the Bible even be on a public school shelf? Let's go back to the 90s and speak with Ben Eckley as he tells us how he came up with the idea to do the X-rated Bible. Basically, it goes back
1: to being age 13 in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania, and sitting on a streetcar because I had a long commute to school every day and reading through the Bible and I came upon the passage in Leviticus, mankind shall not lie with mankind as with womankind, it is abomination they shall surely be put to death and I think I turned every color of the rainbow because even at age 13 I was already an active gay male and all of a sudden I was devastated and traumatized that this book I had been taught to look to as the only infallible moral guide for all humankind was telling me that my sexual orientation was sinful and perverted and wrong and it was absolutely difficult to deal with. Today one-third of teenage suicides are gay kids even though gay kids only represent 10 percent of the teenage population so with that knowledge if my X-rated Bible can spare just one gay teenager from going through all the trauma and the self-doubt and the hatred that I went through it will have been well worth the effort but fast-forwarding now from that age 13 to my position on the faculty at USC in the early 70s, the Gay Liberation Group at USC wanted to be able to function as a regular campus group, meaning that they had access to the Student Union building and all the other privileges that any student group on the campus would have. For the first time in the history of the University of Southern California, the trustees went into a secret ballot because they were all terrified what anybody would think if they looked like they were supporting gay rights, or encouraging homosexuality and we as a group the gay liberation group had to finally threaten to sue them because they voted not to give us our status our campus status and one of the campus crusade for Christ members wrote to the daily Trojan newspaper trustees please do not allow the gay liberation front campus recognition because this would be encouraging homosexuality which is condemned in the Bible so I wrote a very brief article sex in the Bible in which I pointed out that if you're going to go by what the Bible condemns then fornication is also a capital offense you should not live in sin if you're not married sex without benefit of, of the church bestiality adultery, loss of virginity, all of these were capital offenses. And to single out homosexuality as if it were the only capital offense and the worst crime in the Bible and sin was tunnel vision. And I said in the end of my brief article, because they said in their campus crusade they were trying to Christianize the United States, the whole country, by the 1980s, I said, why don't you concentrate on humanizing your local campus group? And it was after that that I became involved with Madeleine Murray O'Hare and brought her to the campus to speak, that I decided to expand that single article, Sex in the Bible, with just a few examples, into my anthology, which is not exhaustive, but it's very comprehensive with 60 chapters and covers just about every facet of sex in the Bible. And of course, Madeline Murray O'Hare agreed to publish it, and it came out under the imprint, then imprimatur, of the American Atheist Press in 1985. One thing that all fundamentalists insist on is there's no such thing as situation ethics. They accuse humanists and atheists and freethinkers of practicing situation ethics, meaning that you determine whether something is good or bad or right or wrong according to the situation. They say the Bible doesn't allow that. And a perfect example is Phyllis Schafly, who of course heads the Eagle Forum. She was on television one day and she said, God's plan is so simple. One man, one woman, one lifetime. And that's her solution to getting married and living happily for forever after, uh, like a fairy's tale. So going back to Lot and his daughters, we have two angel emissaries who have come to the city of Sodom to warn Lot that the city is about to be destroyed. And by the way, to destroy to be destroyed for general immorality, not just for gay sex, which all the fundamentalists want us to think this was a a reason that, that Jehovah destroyed Sodom and Gomorrah was only because they engaged in, specifically, anal intercourse. The destruction of the city was already foreordained, and in the New Testament, one of the writers, Jude, mentions that Sodom and Gomorrah was destroyed for general immorality, so when the angel emissaries came there of course if they were angel emissaries they must have been very hunky looking young dudes the gay men of Sodom saw them going into Lot's home and knew that they would be his guests so they came banging on the door and demanded that Lot allow the two men to come outside so that they could know them now again know them is the word in Hebrew meaning have intercourse with them not to get acquainted and shake hands they wanted sex, and nothing but sex. So Lot offered his two daughters and said, Here are my two virgin daughters who have never known man. Again, the use of the word known, meaning never had intercourse with man. Take them and do with them what ye wish, but do not harm these men who not only are my guests, but were sent by Jehovah as special emissaries. But the men were not placated. They still preferred to have the men... As sex partners, and then they were struck with blindness, and of course, Lot and his clan escaped from Sodom, and the city was destroyed, and the angel messengers went back to their heavenly father. What is so interesting <coughs> is <coughs> if, if you could ever think of an example of situation ethics, here it is, where Lot offers his daughters instead of the men because he feels that it would be less offensive to have his virgin daughters lose their virginity than it would be to have these angel messengers. Be raped, And I, I think that's an ideal, perfect a par excellence example of situation ethics. But again, of course, a fundamentalist would not agree with me on that. So I put in my book that apparently it was more important to Lot to spare his house guest's rear end than it was his own daughter's front end.
0: What I find interesting and maybe even somewhat quaint about all this is the fact that this was happening around the time of Y2K, when 1999 was going to turn into 2000, and somehow society would fall apart if we didn't adjust our clocks in the right way. And I remember that there were some humanists and atheist groups predicting that once the year 2000 went by and Jesus didn't return, that people would return to rationality. That hasn't been the case at all. You have a situation with the millennium, and
2: I, I'm in the news groups in the internet, uh, alt. dot apocalypse, alt. dot in times, or what have you. And so many people are ringing the bells and very happy that the world is going to end. Uh, strangely enough, in apocalypse culture. This this article was in it about um, the Christian right and zionism that actually people even like ronald reagan was in, with the belief that uh the third world war would start with uh, in the middle east in the grounds of armageddon uh with with the help of um islam uh battling against the jews and the jews are trying to tear away the Temple of, or create the Temple of Solomon, but this second holiest site in Islam, of uh, Dome of the Rocks right there. Uh, so that will create a war, perhaps. And another way to create the Third World War and create the end of the world, and possibly it would, was to uh, create this, this biological uh, thing like this, uh, the red heifer, <laughs> the red... Uh, a cow that would be slaughtered uh, in order to bring back the messiah the jewish messiah and the temple of solomon all this weird notions and people believe in this so much they're almost trying to create the end of the world
0: maybe we are plunging into a new age of darkness and superstition all the more reason to be more vigilant when it comes to reason and critical thinking And you can still get the X-Rated Bible on the shelves or at Amazon.com. Just click the link on this description. And if you want to continue to support the podcast, click like, subscribe, or maybe order some of the merchandise you might see in the description. Thank you for watching the Walkertown Report.